beginning of our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, our wake, awakening campaign. Uh, something we do every year. It's something we fight not to be religious about. It's something we fight to be real about. And I can tell you right now, just by the things that have happened in the last two or three weeks, just the enemy trying to show his head, just the, uh, just the things that have been going crazy. I mean, there's relational issues, there's physical issues, there's mental issues, there's, there's spiritual issues going on all around us. And as the shepherd of the church, I'm just telling you, the enemy is moving right now. He's scared. The only time he moves is when he's scared. Are you with me? And I know what he's scared about. He's scared about the church taking 21 days and getting serious with God and sacrificing some things of the flesh and putting the flesh to death and saying, Lord, I need a vision for this year. I need a purpose for this year. I need to be next to you. The enemy is scared about what's going to happen. Amen? The question is, is are you aware of what's going to happen? Isaiah 58, 6 says that it is not, is, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is this not the fast that I've chosen for you? Listen to me, we don't fast to get a new car. We don't fast to get a bigger TV. We don't fast to get into smaller jeans. We don't fast for that. Amen? We fast to, number one, get into the presence of God more than we ever have before. You see, fasting is removing yourself out of the way so that you can have more presence, more power, more substance. Are you with me? You can get closer to God. Amen? So there's a, this morning I want to start by just being, I'm going to try to be practical. I'll be honest with you, my, my engine's wound up pretty tight this morning. But I want to be practical for a moment and just talk about the practicals of fasting because I just want to make sure that we're clear on fasting and what fasting is for and how you fast and and all those things. So as we fast, we are giving up something we love for someone we love more. Jesus. We're giving up something we love for someone we love more. Listen, it would be easy for me to fast work. Two of us. I'm glad the rest of you love your job. But we're giving up something we love for someone that we love more. And why is that? Why would we do that? To get closer. To get clearer. To be more focused. Amen. To hear better. Right? Last week I preached a message on hearing God. And how we all as believers have the opportunity and the privilege to hear God. Amen? That's that's for all of us. The Lord told me to preach that last week so that you'd be prepared for this week. Come on. The heart behind our 21 days of fasting is is that God would, would awaken our hearts. We want God to awaken our hearts. Isn't it easy to get into a stupor? Right? Isn't it easy that when kind of, through the holidays, I mean, it's kind of hard to be in a stupor through the holidays. you got so much going on, you got to make so many decisions. But isn't it funny how in between the holidays, there's a period of the year, what's that period, probably the summer, 
that we just have like a just it's almost everything becomes nice and routine for all you routine people you know what I'm talking about but there's a period and if you're not careful you'll get into a stupor or or you might even call it you might fall asleep are you with me well 21 days of fasting is we're, we're sacrificing the flesh we're saying lord we want to be next to you we want you to awaken our hearts is what we're saying as Isaiah says, it's about heavy burdens being lifted and captives being set free. Some of us have carried some pretty big burdens this year. Right? I know for Cheryl and I, it's been one of the craziest years we've ever gone through. We've had some of the greatest highs and some of the greatest lows. And, and at the end of the year, we just kind of sat down and went, Whew, what a year. And if we're not careful, we can carry burdens with us, Right? We can take things on that we shouldn't be carrying. Fasting is important because it keeps our flesh in check and gives us a clear perspective of what our relationship with him is really like. Fasting puts your flesh in check, right? Listen, you take a grown man in South Louisiana and you cut him off of all meats and put him on vegetables and juice and water. His flesh will be in check in a couple of hours. Typically, a fast for me, when I do a Daniel fast, it, the first two or three days is nothing but headaches. My body's going, I need McDonald's. I need French fries. It sounds like your kid's in the, in the drive through line. French fries. It was funny when Joe, we went to see Joe the first night he was in the hospital. And evidently, he loves Hot Pockets. And the poor buddy, he was hurting. I mean, he was, he was crying. They, they wouldn't let him eat. I mean, he's, he's three years old. Two, two and a half. And so he's in there, and they, they're, they're poking him, checking him, and all this, and he's just going, hot pocket, hot pocket. And one of the nurse, one of the male nurses felt so compassionate for him that the next day he brought him a couple hot pockets, and he, he was able to eat, so he hooked the brother up. But in our flesh like that, right? 21 days of prayer and fasting keeps your flesh in check. Just miss a meal, you see how your flesh gets in check, right? You know, all day long there's things crying and screaming and begging at us for our attention, right? For our devotion. Our flesh, my, I don't know about your flesh, but my flesh is constantly saying, man, I need something to eat. Or I need this, or I need rest, or I need this, or I need something that makes me feel good, Right? All day long, we fight those things. The media shoots towards us. You watch TV. I mean, we used to pig out for supper and sit down and watch the Food Channel, uh, drive-ins, diners, and dives. You ever seen that one? We'd watch that, so you'd be full, and you see this guy eating a big old pulled pork sandwich, and you're going, mmm, that would be good right now. (laughs) I don't know if you have those issues, but... But all day long, we have things pulling at us, Right? And if we're not careful, we'll follow those things, won't we? We'll chase after them. I mean, we want to be focused, right? We want to pursue God. We want to do the will of God for our lives. I believe every one of us wants to do that. It's just if we're not careful, there's things that will pull us aside and and get us off the course, right? It may be a relationship. It may be a a promotion at at work. It may be something going on that will take you astray. Something that your flesh usually says, man, I want that. 
right? If we're not careful, we'll follow that thing, and it'll take us on a journey we were never meant to go on, right? <laughs> Food has taken me on a journey I've never wanted to go on. You know how I, you know how I got like this? I'm going to put the blame on somebody else. You know me. <clears throat> when I was in high school, my coach told me, he said, if you don't put on weight, Tyler, you're not going to play football. Can you believe that? It's okay. I'm, I'm not sensitive about my weight. You can say, golly. Tell me, if I didn't put on weight, I couldn't play football. That's how skinny I used to be. <clears throat> That's hard to imagine. I don't put those pictures up anymore. They just condemn me now. So if you ever come to my house, you won't see those pictures. I'll have hair, but I won't have skinny. <laughs> but it started me on a course where I started picking out because I wanted to play football, right? So I started picking out. I ate a can of biscuits every morning. I'd go home, eat about five or six pork chops for supper. I remember I had two toe surgeries. One day, my mama wouldn't give me one at a time. She knocked both of them out at the same time, so I was laid up. She bought me a large Pizza Hut pizza and a half gallon of Bluebell ice cream. I ate it. And then I burped, and I wanted some more. Are you hearing me? But it, it, it was fine back then. I could eat like that because I had a metabolism. My metabolism then went on strike. It gave up. It's like, man, forget this, dude. You got me working too hard. <clears throat> but it started me on a journey that I didn't want to go on. Amen? So we've got all these things pulling at us and tugging on us and trying to get our attention and trying to pull us in a different direction. I thank God the Bible says in Matthew 6.33 that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus said himself that you should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. Right? The world says you go take care of your things and then life's going to be good. Jesus said you pursue God, life will be good and he'll take care of all those things. You see the opposition? Seek first the kingdom of God. So why do we do the fast at the beginning of the year? Because we want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? You with me so far? We need to be seeking God for his direction. Personally, you need to fast so that you can get direction for your own life, for your family. Are you with me? For your job, for your relationships, maybe for your finances. You need to fast to get direction for this year. Because listen to me, if you don't have a plan for this year, somebody else is going to have a plan for you. Right? When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's the same as saying, well, you know what? I'm just going to fail this year. Jesus warned against being tossed back and forth by the waves and, and, the, and this world. He says, don't be like a ship being tossed back and forth. Some of us live our lives kind of like this. Which way do we go? Right? Oh, well, no pressure this way. We'll live and do this. Oh, let's go this way. And then when we don't like it, we come crying. Like, what's going on in my life? I'm like, well, do you have a plan? No. Why don't you have a plan? I don't know. 
You with me? Prayer and fasting go hand in hand. Don't fast just because, just because the pastoral staff at this church says that it's a good thing to do. Are you with me? Listen, save yourself the torment. If you're not fasting to get closer to Jesus, then don't starve yourself. Amen? Don't put yourself through that. If you're not going to have something come out at the end result, if you're not going to hear from God, if you're not going to get closer to God, don't go do a fast just to say that you're doing the fast. Or out of fear that maybe I'll come around and say, hey, how's your fast going? A few more things here. Fasting reduces the power of self so that the Holy Spirit can do a more intense work within us. It reduces the power of self. Fasting is a principle that God has intended for everyone to practice. Listen to me carefully. It's not a punishment. It's a privilege. Come on, that's good. Fasting and prayer is not a punishment. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that if we sacrifice this flesh, if we give up some things that we love for the one that we love, it's a privilege that he would come in and get closer to us. Amen? It's a privilege that he would come and give us a plan for our year, for our month, for our week, for our day. Amen? It's a privilege. So don't look at it as a punishment. It's a privilege. So when you fast and you pray, don't think, I'm punishing myself for you, God. He's going, stop that. Amen? Be intentional in your fast and your prayer. You need to write down ahead of time what what you're seeking God for. If you don't know, then leave some blank spots and say, Lord, I'm seeking you, and I don't know what I'm seeking you for, but you need to tell me something about my life. Fasting brings a holy brokenness that calms our soul. Fasting renews spiritual vision and faith. Fasting inspires determination to follow God's revealed plan for your life. It inspires determination. Amen? Listen, we, we do a, uh, I do usually do a tw- full 21-day Daniel fast where I don't eat uh, meats and, and I don't drink. Well, I don't drink wine anyway, but I give up Cokes. I give up uh, sweets. Basically, I eat anything that comes from the ground. And listen, in my mind, I've, I've configured how just about everything we eat comes from the ground. Right? When you think about it long enough, the cow eats the grass. You know, you can go back to your kids' books and you say, the cow eats the grass, the grass makes the meat. Well, this is from the ground, Lord, I'm eating steak. Right? I mean, am I that? I'm, I'm, evidently, I'm not the only person like that. I mean, for, for the first couple of years, it's like, man, do we give up coffee? And, like, it's, you know, some of, the, some of the more realistic people go, man, it's a bean. It come from the ground. I'm drinking coffee. Well, do you put sugar and cream in it? Well, sugar, I, I was raised in sugar cane fields. I'm like, sugar comes from the ground. I can have sugar. You with me? And so for the first year, I was pretty strict. And I went, only just the, no, hmm, so, huh, no, none of this. No, and I was like, vegetables only. And about four days into it, I was like, baby, I need something to eat. She's like, okay, hardhead, tet dur. You uh, you gonna listen? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll listen. Whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, she had me right there. She could have done anything she wanted with me. But what I'm saying is, is don't get wrapped up in the do's and the don'ts of the fast. Amen. Yeah. 
Set, set your mind on what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Take a realistic approach. Let it be something that you're really going to have to sacrifice for. Okay? It'd be easy to say, well, I'm going to give up football. <laughs> it's pretty easy right now. But let's get, let's get real and let's get serious about it. And, and in a minute, I'm going to get into the message and I'm going to start showing you how serious Daniel was about the fast and where all this came from. But So we're going to do 21 days of fasting. It starts today. Okay, You can start for lunch. You can start for supper. Some people may even start in the morning. Just let me encourage you with this. Because of experience, the sooner you start on that last Sunday, the sooner you can begin again. Right? I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm going to start at lunch today. Just because I know what that last day is like. Because let me tell you, the last three meals you fast are probably the hardest. I usually have visions of beef. I can smell burgers a mile away. Okay? I mean, seriously. I'm just trying to give you some realistic things. I mean, it's, sometimes fasting is tough. And so have a plan. Be focused. Set, set your course. Determine what you're going to do. Sit down, men. Sit down with your wife and say, baby, this is what I plan on doing. So that way, tomorrow afternoon when you come home and you're starving, she can say, well, you never told me what I needed, so I didn't go to the grocery store. Right? And then you got to wait two hours while she goes to the grocery store to find you something to eat. Make a plan. Set a direction. Set a course. My whole household fasts. My kids, we, they usually fast sweets and TV. Cheryl usually fasts TV, sweets, and especially Cokes. Right? I usually do a full Daniels fast. Whatever you're going to fast, determine it in your mind. Set a course, set a plan, and stick with it. Okay? Just, if you do that today, if you just take your, and you go, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and put it to the side, then you don't have to focus on that anymore, right? Then you can get busy about the realness of the fast. Praying. Spending time with God. Hearing from God. Are you with me? So what you've been given this morning, real quickly, is this is, a, this is our awakening, basically your pack. There's, a, there's this pamphlet here that tells you all kinds of things. Here's a reading plan. We've made it very simple for you. We've given you something to read every day. And if you look on the, uh, the last two pages, I'm sorry, on the, on the thicker pages, there's seven pages of a devotional. And we give you just a little bit of insight on that devotional, on that scripture, just to help you. Something just to, just to wet your taste buds. Are you with me? And so just, just make it a plan to just read this every day and pray and, and just follow this guide. Now, this guide is also online, okay? And we strongly encourage you, if you're an online person, use it online. If you don't need this pamphlet to bring home, then just place it back on the kiosk table when you leave, okay? But this is your guide. Everything you need is in here. It's got a schedule. We're going to have a worship night here. We're going to have a worship night in Jennings that I encourage all of you to go to, all right? And so it's a whole planned event. We, we spent hours planning this thing out and, and did a lot of work in it. But it's online and, and, and it's right here in paper. So there's no excuses. Amen? All right. Everything you need is in that guide. Amen? Go with me to Daniel chapter 1. 
I've already told you to start bringing your Bibles. Because a lot of times I shift what we preach and change things around, and there's usually not sermon notes and all those things. I'm sweating. I'm trying to wear a jacket, y'all. Seriously. I'm trying to step it up. I'm trying to, I mean, I actually want to go buy some, like, nice stuff again and try to step it up a little bit, but honestly, I just sweat too much. Sorry about that. It might be gross for some of you that don't like sweat, but I live with it. So, Daniel chapter 1. I want to show you Daniel's life. This is actually not the verse that talks about the 21 days of fasting. These are the verses that kind of lead up to Daniel's journey. And I want to show you his determination. And I want to show you what he did to prepare himself for where God was sending him. So Daniel chapter 1, I want to do a little bit of reading. It says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and, and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. The Lord gave him permission to do this. Did you catch that? The Lord gave him permission to take some things out of the house and to also take some of the people captive. So you need to remember that. Verse 3, then, king, then the king ordered uh, Ashpenaz, his, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. So he said, I want some of the royalty. I want some of the, the noble people. I want you to take those specifically. Verse 4, he says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Now, all of us men would have been there, right? Yeah. Amen. They'd had to take me. I'm at least strong. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, say three years, and then they would enter into the royal service. So they were going to go into training for three years. Nebuchadnezzar says, I want the best looking, I want the strongest, are you with me? The healthiest men you can find and bring them in because they're going to work for me. Pretty smart deal, right? Right? So he brings them in and he says, okay, you're going to eat from my table. Whoa. Now these are captives, remind you. You're going to eat from my table. You're going to eat the best of the best. You're going to eat like prime rib Ribeyes, filet mignons. I mean, you're going to eat lamb. You're going to eat, I mean, chicken was like a side, okay? You're going to have the best wine. You're going to have the best desserts. You're going to have the best cakes. He said, you're going to eat from my house. And for three years, we're going to train you up. We're going to teach you our language. We're going to teach you our culture. We're going to train you up. And then you'll enter into the royal service. Verse 6, Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael and, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. 
the chief of staff renamed them these Babylonian names. And you'll, you'll recognize these, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? You know those three. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Look at that. Daniel was determined not to defile himself with the good things of the king. Are you with me? He says, I understand what's going on, but I think Daniel had an understanding that there was something greater for his life. There was a greater calling for his life than just to serve this king. Are you with me? I I believe that he had something inside of him that says, I'm made for more than this. Have you ever had those thoughts? I'm made for greater. Have you ever heard those whispers from God? Said you're made for more than this. When you're going through struggles and hard times and you hear God say, you're made for more than this. When you stumble and you fall and you hear the, the Holy Spirit come in and say, come on, get up. You're made for more than this. You heard those voices? That's God's calling on your life. You're made for more than that. And he determined, the Bible says, in his heart, in his mind, that I'm not going to defile myself with the king's riches. I'm not going to defile my human body, which affects my spiritual body, by eating at the king's table. Let me give you a little side note. You know the Bible in the New Testament compares a drunkard and a glutton in the same sentence. You see, we look down on people that, have, that are alcoholics or have alcoholic problems or they like to drink a lot, but we don't look down on ourselves when we go to the buffet and we buffet our body, right? We think, well, my, they're, they're alcoholics. I just eat a little bit extra. Well, according to God, if you eat like a glutton, he's comparing you or he sees you just like an alcoholic. And that's something. So Daniel said, I'm not going to defile my body. He made a, he, just like I talked about this morning with the tithe with Cheryl and I, he set an anchor in his life. He made a determination. He put a tent peg in the ground. He said, I'm not moving from here. I know most of you in this church very well, and I know that you struggle from time to time with things that you don't have anchored down in your life. And I've seen you go through times when the storms come and the waves of adversity come and you get shifted and you get pushed in directions that you don't want to go. And it's all because you have not put a peg in the ground that says, I'm keeping me here. It's all because you haven't put people in your life that can hold the rope of your life and say, you need to stay here. Are you with me? It's time to put a peg in the ground. It's time to say, this is where I'm standing. This is who I'm going to be. You want to be a man of God and lead your family? Then I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to actually stand up and bow up and correct my wife one day. (laughs) You were doing good, Pastor, until you got right there. I mean, (laughs) don't want to go there, Lord. But seriously. For some of you women, emotionally, you need to set a peg in the ground and says, I'm not letting anybody else affect me anymore like that. I'm not letting my past determine my future. Come on. We all have a past that comes back and tries to haunt us, right? But I want to set a peg. I want to set something that keeps me where I'm supposed to be. 
And Daniel saw that. And he says, I'm not moving. I'm not going there. I'm not sitting at the king's table and eating this food like everybody else so that it can defile my flesh, which in turn defiles my spirit. Are you with me? But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Watch this. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. (laughs) Isn't it funny that God is on your side? We think that people and things and and, and positions and situations make us do things. But if you'll just make a stand, God will provide the way. Right? If Daniel wouldn't have made the stand, then I don't think he would have had respect and affection from this chief that it was over him. Right? God knew Daniel was going to make a stand, so he set him up. He put a guy there that was over him that would have compassion for him, that would allow him to do what God wanted him to do. You see, Daniel's responsibility was just to make the stand, not to figure out the future. That's called faith. And I believe God's saying that to us. You just make the stand and I'll take care of the future. Amen? Amen? I don't think we have a spiritual problem. I think we have a standing problem. Right? Because as soon as it gets bad, as soon as it gets tough, as soon as it gets hard, what do we want to do? We want to buckle. We want to cry. We want to whine. We want to run away. (laughs) I know when the people in this church, when individuals are going through things, you know how I know? They quit showing up. You know what that means? They start hiding. You know that first happened in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and they started hiding from God? They started running. They don't call you no more. They're not here for church as often. They kind of sneak in the back door and they sit. And as soon as I say, okay, I'm bringing this to a close, they position themselves. And as soon as I start praying, they're out the door. Okay, I know that. I've been around long enough to know that that, that person's running. When I don't see people at church for a while, they're running. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and, and, and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have, some, will have me beheaded. So this guy had respect for Daniel. He wanted the best for Daniel. He had affection for Daniel, but at the same time, he had a fear of the king. Listen, I understand what you want, but man, if you get, if you get pale... In other words, you get whiter than you are and you get skinny. I'm afraid of what the king's going to do to me. Watch what Daniel says. Daniel spoke with, with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. Remember, this was a three-year journey. 
Three years of training. Day one, Daniel says, nope. He sets a peg. He draws a line in the sand. I'm not going there. He asks the guy that's over him, can I just eat vegetables? Me and my buddies right here, we just want to eat vegetables and drink water. We don't want to eat from the king's table. The guy says, man, I'm, I'm afraid of the king, man. If you get sick, if you get frail, if you get too skinny, I'm afraid the king's going to kill me. And Daniel says, try us out for 10 days. 10 days give us vegetables and water. And at the end of 10 days, compare us to the rest of the people here and then make your decision. Isn't that wisdom? Sometimes we get something in our heads and we just run with it, right? Sometimes we don't ever want to stop and say, okay, but let's give this a try for 10 days. Are you hearing me? Then you said, try us out for 10 days and then compare us to the rest. Remember, he was the best of the best. Him and the other guys that were chosen were the royal of royal. The noble of noble. They were good looking. They were strong. They were healthy. This was a gutsy move. They were going to eat pork and beef and drink wine and have the best cakes. And they were going to sit at the king's table and eat as much as they wanted. It reminds me of when I went to college. I left high school at about 195 pounds. I went to college and there was no limitations. There was no boundaries. I could eat at the the athletic uh, kitchen. Which, I mean, baby, it was like, it was a free-for-all. I mean, them coaches believed in feeding their players. So I would go in there, and, and, and in the afternoons, and I would, I would eat about four or five pieces of chicken, potatoes, corn, all this stuff, a couple glasses of sweet tea. I'd go back to my room. I'd burp. And then I'd go to Burger King, and I'd get two large value meals. And I'd go back to my room, and I'd eat them again. And then I'd burp, and I'd look for something else. I had a, it was, it was free. I could eat what I wanted. My mama just kept putting money in my checking account and nobody could tell me no. These guys had the right to eat at the king's table. Daniel knew better. Amen. So here we go. Verse 14. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had, eaten, who, had, who had been eating the food assigned by the king. At the end of 10 days, these boys that started eating vegetables and drinking water looked better than the guys who were eating at the king's table. You know, when you do a 21-day Daniel fast, you start feeling better. Your energy levels come up. My greatest enemy is what I carry in my gut. Can I just be real with you? I mean, if I eat a big lunch, I don't want to go outside and work. I don't care if it's something I want to do, right? You get on a fast and you got to graze all day long. There's something about that. You have energy. You don't have this big old blob of junk sitting in your stomach. And it goes with you everywhere you go. Just Some of you don't have that problem, but. But the Bible says they looked better, more nourished at the end of 10 days. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of, instead of the food and wine provided for the others. 
God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Wow. Isn't that something? That God gave them something after they made a stand? They made a stand. God provided the way for that stand to stay. And they determined in their hearts that we're going to do the right thing. We're not going to defile ourselves. We're not going to pollute ourselves. We're not going to soil ourselves. And then God begins to give them things. Wow. Isn't that good? You with me so far? Verse 18. Watch this. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, in other words, at the end of three years, these boys ate vegetables and waters for three years. The chief of staff brought all the young men to the king Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them, watch this, ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Ten times better because they sacrificed. Ten times better because they did not defile themselves. Are you with me? Ten times better they were found than anybody else in the kingdom. Isn't that awesome? Verse 21, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Now, if you read the rest of Daniel, which you'll read some of it during the fast, but I encourage you to read it if you have time. You start, I'm just going to read you some of the headlines in my Bible. It says, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, chapter 2. Then it says, Daniel's interpretation of the dream, about midway through that chapter. Then it says Nebuchadnezzar rewards Daniel. You know, Daniel starts interpreting dreams. He starts interpreting visions. And God starts rewarding him through Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was an evil king. God starts rewarding him. You know, Nebuchadnezzar falls on his knees and he has everybody else fall on their knees at Daniel's feet. At the end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3. Do you realize if you step back and look at the book of Daniel, God used Daniel to run that country? He didn't have the title king, but he ran the country because of his gift, because of his talent, because of his abilities, because he did not defile himself. Amen? So why do we need to do a fast? Why do we need to go 21 days, Pastor? Let me ask you, do you want to go three years? I didn't think so. It's called grace. But why 21 days, Pastor? Well, because we see reading Daniel chapter 10 that Daniel fasted for 21 days and God did something incredible in his life. It wasn't for Daniel personal. It was for God's kingdom. Amen? Show of hands, who wants to do the will of God for your life? Who at the end of your life wants to hear, good job, my faithful, well done, faithful servant, good and faithful servant? Who wants to hear that? I believe all of us want to hear that. I believe all of us want a reward when we get to heaven, right? 
Listen, you're naturally not smart enough to fulfill God's plan for your life. Just look at your neighbor. See, I've been telling you. Bump your neighbor. Say, I've been telling you that for years. I believe we all want to live under God's anointing, right? There's no difference in Daniel than you. Amen? Daniel was a human being just like you're a human being. He was a creation of God with a call on his life. You're a creation of God with a call on your life. I believe we don't even have an ounce of vision for what God can really do in our lives if we just trust him. I believe most of us live our lives in a, in a low area of faith, in a low place where we, we just barely do things for God. And we say, oh, that's great. That's great. That's so good. And God's going, I got so much more for you. I remember the first time God started showing up in my life and doing some incredible things. I was like, whoo, this is it. You're the man. And I'm with you. Whoo, man, we good. I had my journey. We did my thing. When Cheryl and God said, go find Bubba, ask him what he needs and help him. And we packed our bags. And two weeks later, we moved two hours away and moved everything over here. I thought, man, that's it. I'm done. That was my faith journey. Woo, we're going to ride this thing out. We're going to Cadillac on this one little faith movement we made. Only to come to the realization that that was just a baby step. And now he's saying to me, bro, you ready? I'm going, for what? Well, we going, we, this is a journey. This is your life. We're going in the direction. I got a purpose for you. But Lord, but, but I did that. Like, don't you remember? I mean, that, Lord, that was two weeks. I mean, that was dumb faith, Lord. We packed our bags two weeks. And we drove up at the church on Sunday morning, left the dog in the car. Just to make sure we were there for the first service. Don't you remember that? <laughs> he goes, Man, you ain't even started to taste and see how good I am. You ain't even started to to even sense my presence like you think you have. Just because you fell on your face a couple times crying over me and and, and begging me and pleading with me and worshiping me doesn't mean that you're done. And I got a strange feeling that when I turn 50 and 60 years old, he's going to say, you're not done. Right? Right? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start stretching these face steps out a little longer, right? Make my decision a little slower. <laughs> so that way I don't have to hurry and get to the next one. Amen? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's see how good he is. Let's take this 21 days and let's set a peg in the ground and say, Lord, my emotions are a wreck. Lord, my marriage is a wreck. Lord, my personal life is a wreck. I need you. I don't want to be this way anymore. Sit a pig and Lord, I don't want to be 330 pounds no more. If that's your struggle, if that's your thing, I don't want to defile myself. If you're addicted to something, Lord, I'm setting this peg in the ground. Today, I'm going to take one step a day and Lord, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to hang on to that peg. I don't want to be addicted anymore. Why? Because I want to know your plan. I want to know your future. I want to know what you have for me, Lord. I want to see it clearly. 
The only way I'll ever hear, good job, son, when I get to heaven, is if I hear where I'm supposed to go. I can't live my life like this and then expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's worse than gambling. Amen? I've got to hear some direction from God. I've got to have a purpose. I've got to wake up. It's time to wake up. Amen? It's time to to move on. It's time to get out of your slumber. Wake up. One last verse I want to give you, and then we're going to close. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, come on, I'll do that to me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, O sleeper. Listen to me. If you've got breath in your lungs, it's not too late. If your heart's still beating, it's not too late. It's not too late. All the people we prayed for this morning, it's not too late. You need to take a real evaluation, an honest evaluation of your life, and, 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 and just ask God, Lord, where am I? Where am I in your kingdom? Where am I in my relationship with you, Lord? Am I doing what you want me to do? Am I fulfilling your purpose for me? I dare you to ask those questions and then stay there long enough to hear an answer. Because we all want to ask those questions. Lord, examine my heart. Sorry, Lord, that work's calling. Can we take this fast seriously? Can we be determined like Daniel to not defile ourselves for 21 days and see what God does? Some of you have been crying a long time for the same problem. Some of you have been carrying the same burden for a long time. Don't you think it's time to let that go? This is what he says at the beginning of the whole message in Isaiah. Is this not the fast that I've chosen for you? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is this not the fast that I have for you? Says the Lord. Is this not what he wants for us? Remember last week I told you how Jesus' Jesus's purpose for us is to live a rich and satisfying life. I heard, I heard a priest got on the, on, the, on the TV this past week and said that we're living in a time of peace. He said, this is times of peace. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'd have to argue with him. Because I bet if you go and you talk to those people at Sandy Hook or that elementary school where all... Ask them if there's peace. Go talk to the people in this city that are hurting, that are addicted to drugs, that are addicted to all kinds of things. Ask them if there's peace. This isn't a time of peace. This is a time of war. It's a time of spiritual battles. 
It's a time for the church to rise up and do what we're supposed to be doing. It's time for us to get our junk straight so we can go on and get God's stuff straight. Amen? It's time to get past ourselves and get on his mission. Amen? Can you stand up with me this morning? Slip your hands towards heaven with me. I just want to pray Ephesians 5 over you. Lord, I just pray right now, awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Lord, I pray this over this church, over over every one of us here today, Lord, that we would awake from our sleep, from our slumber, and that, Lord, we would pursue you. We would pursue your light. We 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 would follow your lead, Lord. Father, just like last week, that that your sheep know your voice. Help us to hear your voice, Lord. And wherever you go, when you speak, we follow, Lord. Help us to follow. Father, help us to take these 21 days like Daniel did, Father, and make a determination in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit, and in the flesh that we're not moving from here. We're purifying ourselves to get closer to you. We're purifying ourselves to be awakened in the spirit. We're purifying ourselves to get past our junk. We're purifying ourselves to get on with our purpose. Lord, I pray that over us, Father. I just say awake, O sleeper. Awake from the dead, for God has a light for you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. If you need prayer for anything, I'm going to dismiss you in just a second. My wife has an announcement to make, but as we're dismissing, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be here and a couple of the leaders will be here and we'll, we'll just pray with you, whatever you need. Can we do that? So my wife has a quick announcement, then I'll dis- dismiss you. We also have a video update of Joel after I give my announcement. Um, Ladies, tonight, again, reminder, um, Christine Kane will be at our Savior's Church in Lafayette at 6 o'clock. We will be having a corporal to meet at the church for 4.30. Um, if you have any questions about that, Jennifer will be here as well as if you want to ask me any questions. But I encourage you to be there. It's going to be an awesome time. You get to meet your other church family from Lafayette, and um, I just encourage you to be there. So I guess we got to... Is it a quick video? Do we need to sit down? Five minutes? Let's go ahead and take a seat real quick. Hey, all this family, Pastor Josh here, and so good to be with you today. I wish I could have been uh, live there, but uh, anyways, I'm here via video. I just wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, Lindsay wish she could be here. She sends her love to you. Uh, she's actually being the great mom that she is, being up there with Joel right now. She's just been a rock and strength to us and been a great mom. Uh, but I want to let you know just real quick what's going on this past week. As you know, it's been uh, quite a bit of a hurricane for us, uh, but God has just been so good. We are in Children's Hospital right now. Actually, I'm in the uh, I'm in the chapel. I thought hey, that might be a good place to be on a Sunday morning. And uh, we're actually here in Children's in New Orleans. Uh, Joel has been diagnosed with pulmonary um, <clears throat> hypertension in his right ventricle right now. And he's doing great, though. Uh, 
the past two days have been phenomenal. Um, the medicines have been doing well. Um, we got great news today, actually. Um, it doesn't sound good, but it actually is. He got diagnosed with uh, having para-influenza, which is a virus, kind of like RSV, um, and they think that that may have triggered it, but we're still doing tests. we got to see um, what it does and how, if it runs its course, but um, that's actually great news for us. We're looking for a cause right now. We're praying that God would help us find the cause. Um, more than anything, we're praying that God just gives complete healing. Um, but we just want you to know, uh, first and foremost, listen, thank you so much for all the prayers. Thank you for the outpouring of love and encouragement that you've sent our way. Um, we felt every single one of them. Uh, we're living in them right now. Um, literally all across the world, people are texting us, emailing us, Facebooking us. And just let us know the praying for us. Thank you so much. It's um, to be honest with you, it's a humbling experience um, to see how much God loves us and just saints. It's been um, a comfort to our souls. Um, we want you to know that God's been faithful. Uh, a couple weeks, Pastor Robert uh, did a message about how God has been with us, is with us, and will be with us. And I've just been thinking about that message even throughout this week and seeing the faithfulness of God in, in our lives and. Uh, you know, the, the week before, God gave us a scripture out of Psalm 62 that says, God is our refuge. He is our salvation. He is our hope. We will not be shaken. We trust in the Lord at all times. We pour out our hearts to him. He is a refuge to all of us. And so we've been speaking that verse over him. God is faithful to give us a verse even before we came to this um, to this situation. And so we've been speaking that over, this, uh, over our lives and over Joel. But he's doing great right now. Medicine is working well. Um, thank you for your prayers. We just want you to know, listen, God is good. And we say that uh, not on the other side, but on this side, still having a ways to go. Um, but God is so good. He has been so good to us. Um, and he still is, even in this situation. Um, God ultimately wants his glory. Because here's the deal. When um, the greatest platform for us uh, to shine the light of Christ is in the darkest of times. And so when things get darker, we just get brighter. So we want to see God's glory um, shine in this and, and people come to know Jesus and just be encouraged. Um, if you want to know how to pray for us, listen, uh, here's a couple things that you can do. Pray, one, uh, that the glory of God is, is, um, is shown and that people come to know Jesus. Secondly, pray for uh, Joel's complete healing. We don't want partial healing. We want complete healing where the doctors are astounded as to what happens. So that way Jesus gets all the glory in what he does. Um, also pray for our doctors that God gives them wisdom, dreams, and, and helps them. And then lastly, pray for our family. Um, our two other sons, our older sons, Josiah and Judah, um, they're with family. They'll be with other people throughout the week. And um, God's just been on uh, with us and through us and will be with us. And so thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. We would love to be with you today. I hope to be with you very soon. And uh, listen, we starting the fast. We're, we, we're excited to start it with you. We're ready to do an awakening and seek God with you for the next 21 days. So we love you, and uh, thank you for all that you have done, and we hope to see you soon. Amen. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> Good stuff. So we're going to see miracles happen. Amen. Well, good. Listen, stand up with me and I'll dismiss you. Lord, I just pray a blessing over everyone here today. I pray that as we go and as we come, we'll go in your name and come in your name, Lord. That, Father, we'll go in your glory. And then, Father, you'll lead and direct our paths. 
just like your word says. And I thank you for everyone here today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen.